Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the May 23rd edition of the Connect Online Meeting. So very good to be with you tonight. Of course, my name is Jonathan Jenkins, joined by my traveling preacher friend, Mr. Eric Owens. Good to have you back, man. Good to see you. How the uh, how the meeting go? And hope the journey was good and safe and all that. Just to... yes, sir. Uh, good to be back. Thank you. The meeting went well. Great brethren in uh, West Virginia, Cerrito. West Virginia is where that is. I called it Credo one time, and I was quickly helped that it is not Credo, it's Cerrito. And so, fantastic brethren over there and had a great time with them, and uh, just good to be back. We travel safely because Vanessa drives, so that's how we travel safely. That's, that's how you secure that, huh? All right. Um, but good to have you back, man. Uh, we got Ben Phillips with us. We'll get to Brother Ben here in just a second. Uh, tonight, if you would, please take a second and make sure you uh, check out the links in the description of the uh, the video stream or the audio stream that you are uh, currently uh, using at this point in time, because all the links to our uh, social media uh, uh, platform is uh, available to you. And it is uh, those, well, those descriptions or those links rather in the description of the uh, stream that you are currently using. Uh, and I say that way because we are, I have turned back on the uh, the audio, the live audio stream on Podbean. I'm not sure why I had stopped doing that other than I did. Uh, but uh, I've gotten those back on uh, and we've been doing that for the last several days. So uh, they get uploaded as a standard podcast after the um, uh, show is over. But if you want to catch it live for some reason and audio works better for you, you can just go over to the Podbean website. Uh, it's digitalbiblestudy.podbean.com and the link's in the description. And you can pick up the audio feed there as well. Um, if you uh, are interested in supporting the work here at Digital Bible Study, we have several ways that you can do that. Uh, all the places we stream to uh, have ways of um, uh, sending donations on a nightly basis. Facebook and YouTube, the stars and the super chats are the primary one. Um, and um, got some people say we're breaking up. That's two people on YouTube. Um, is it all of us? Is it just one of us? And is Facebook experiencing that as well? Um, give me give me a little more detail there before I start messing around with stuff. Um, uh, it could be me. I may need to reset my audio drivers, which I use a virtual thing here, and sometimes it gets gets it gets screwy. Uh, but let me know, and I'll I'll see if I can make some adjustment here on my end if that's a problem for everybody. Um, but as I say, if I support the work here, we'd love to have you do that. Uh, best way to do it for now is right over digitalbiblestudy.org where you can subscribe for as little as five dollars a month having said that let me turn it over to eric and let him do his thing tonight man all righty well it's been a while since i've said this but i'm glad to say it every time we get to we're going to say a word of prayer at the end of the session tonight it will be my privilege lead us in that prayer and uh jonathan will keep a watch over the feed and he'll let us know for whom we're praying as we sometimes suggest and remind that we don't always petition God. Sometimes we just praise him. Sometimes we thank him. And uh, God is ever good to us. And so to acknowledge that and to give him thanks and praise is also part of our prayer life. And we want to do that as well. That's it. We turn our attention to our speaker this evening. Brother Ben Phillips is here with us. Brother Ben, how are you, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have an opportunity to be back. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, for those who don't know you or just for posterity's sake, would you please share a little bit about yourself, your family, your work, and anything else you want to share? 
Well, I preach for the Peninsula Church of Christ up in Hampton, Virginia. If you were on here uh, last Monday evening, then you got to see one of our elders, uh, Glenn Hitchcock, a fine man, fine gospel preacher. My uh, wife, Patricia, uh, we've been married now. It'll be 19 years next month. And we've got three youngins and uh, we'll also mark 18 years here at Peninsula next month. So uh, God has been uh, good to me in the work and in my family. And I'm just uh, just continue to try to be thankful and not squander the blessings that, that he's provided our way. Amen to all of that, man. Congratulations on those two milestones. That's fantastic. Uh, both of them, both uh, both marriages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the work of the church is almost like a second wife sometimes. It can be that's for sure. Uh, we had a secretary that thought she was our second wife one time. Wife slash mother, I think. She was, <laughs> yeah, wife slash mother. She, she there was no distance between us and her between us and her at all. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Ben, what are you going to be preaching about tonight, man? Well, I'm going to be preaching on the subject of why membership matters. So. This is actually something I was asked to speak on here by our elders and uh, recently did that and uh, had some good feedback from it and thought that it might be beneficial to those who are online with us tonight. So we're going to be looking at what it looks like to be a member of the Lord's Church. That is fantastic. Well, man, it is good to have you back. We look forward to having you and uh, forward to listening tonight. All right. Thank you. Uh, give me just a second here, Ben, to get your screen share and all that set up. Um, we get the right person in the box so that is the wrong person in the box i need to get me out of here um and in just a second it should be you and when you see yourself on the screen you're ready to go all right well appreciate everyone who has joined us this evening for this time of study thankful to god for your presence tonight we are going to be talking about why membership matters when it comes to being part of the church there is a dual dynamic to it. There is the perspective from which we are members of the church in a universal sense that encompasses everyone who is part of the body of Christ the world over. But there is also that local sense where we work and we labor and we worship with the local congregation. And both of those are important aspects of what it means to be a member of the Lord's body. And sometimes you'll have people who will tell you that I want the Christ, but I don't want the church. They'll say, I'm not interested in organized religion. I'm not interested in all of that going to church and attending and them taking my money and all of this stuff. They say, I just, I just want Christ. I don't want his church. Well, if we give honest consideration of what the scripture says with why membership matters, that can't be the case. If you're going to have Christ, you've got to have his church. But also in a, in a more localized context, sometimes there are those who don't really value who are in the body, but they don't value the local congregation. They don't value what is gained there. They, they don't appreciate just how much God intends for the work, the worship, the love that is shared in the body to be exhibited to actually be put into practice to really be lived and experienced in the local congregation and so tonight that's what we want to talk about why membership matters 
And in the first place this evening, we're going to talk about the universal church. That is all who are part of the body of Christ. And I invite your attention as we begin our study over to Acts chapter 2 to understand this in the first place, that the saved are the church. When we're talking about the universal church, we're talking about the fact that all who are saved, they comprise, they make up the church. And so that's why you'll hear preachers say that the church is not the building. The, the church is not what is on the sign. The church, well, it is the people. Look at Acts chapter 2 and notice verses 40 and 41. And with many other words, he, that is Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now I want you to back up into the text just a little bit because we have this statement that you need to save yourselves from this perverse generation. We read that 3,000 souls received the word and, and were baptized. Now what had been preached fundamentally when you look at Acts chapter 2, what had been preached is the coming of the Messiah into the world to save man and his rejection in his death by the Jews. But ultimately, that in his burial, he did not stay in the grave, but came forth from it. And so at verse 36, we, we hear Peter and the others say this to the crowd. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You put him to death, but, but God has made him Lord and Christ. He has exalted him over all. He is Lord and, and Christ. He's the anointed one of God. He is that prophet that Moses had prophesied of in Deuteronomy 18. Now, when they heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were confronted with the fact that they had killed the Christ. And they asked, what shall we do? So Peter said to them, verse 38, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, in order to receive the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, Peter kept on preaching after this. That's what we read in verse 40. But those who gladly received his word, those who were willing to repent and be baptized, well, they did that. And, and nearly 3,000 did that. And we read there at verse 41 that they were added. Well, added to what? Added, added to, to them. And if you notice there, the to them is italicized because it's trying to convey the fact that they're added. What are they added to? Well, to the people who are the church. Verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The 3,000 were added daily those who were being saved. We've already seen that those who were being saved were repenting and being baptized for the remission of their sins. And so we have here these brethren now who have been added to the church. The saved are the church. The word church, ecclesia, in the original language simply means the called out or the assembled ones. And when we talk about it in the page of the New Testament, the ones who are the church 
have been called out of the world of darkness and into the church, God's kingdom. Now, when we talk about the church and God's kingdom, Jesus himself uses those interchangeably in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. When he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 18. But then he turns around in verse 19. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And so when we look at what Jesus said, he's talking about the building of the church. He's talking about the fact that the apostles are going to have the keys to open the doors of the kingdom, open the doors of the church. And how is that going to happen? Well, we've seen it in Acts chapter 2 already, that the gospel is going to be preached. And when the gospel is preached, all of mankind, whoever will, is going to be invited. The bride will say, come to the world. Look at the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 1. And notice verses 3 through 8 there of the text. Colossians chapter 1. And I want you to notice verses three through eight of the text. Paul says, we give thanks to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. For men to know the grace of God, whereby there is salvation, Ephesians 2.8, the gospel must be preached. And when the gospel is preached, we see in Acts chapter 2 that that gospel is a message, a declaration of the lordship of Christ, of his death, of his burial, of his resurrection, and a calling to all men to repent and be baptized, to die to self and to live to Christ, Romans 6, 3 and 4. And that is what the Colossians had heard. The gospel had come to them and they had received it. And what had been the result? Skip down to verses 13 and 14 here in Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, these who came to hope, these who came to know the grace of God in truth by the proclamation of the gospel have been brought into the kingdom of God and they have been taken away from the power of darkness. Now, what are they part of? Verse 18, he's the head of the body of the church. Paul's going to explain that to them, that they are now in the kingdom of God. They have now been added to that kingdom and they're now part of God's church because they are now with Christ. And so when we talk about the universal church, we've got to understand that those who hear the gospel message, who receive it and who obey it, Romans 6, 17, obey from the heart. Well, the Lord adds them to his church. That is the universal church. The saved are the church. But moving from that, we understand that the church is the body of Christ. You see, when one is baptized, he is baptized into Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3, 27. Just, just notice that the scripture never says that you believe into Christ or that you repent into Christ or you confess into Christ. But you are baptized into him. And being baptized into him, we are baptized into his body. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And notice what we read there in verses 12 through 14 of the text. Paul, again, writing to the church at Corinth, says this, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so when we think about the fact that the body is not one member, but many, and we were all baptized into that one body, and the invitation is to all men, turn to the book of Acts again. And notice Acts chapter 10, and this is when the Gentiles are brought into the church with Cornelius's household. But I want you to notice a, a particular point of Peter's preaching to the household of Cornelius here in Acts 10, verses 34 and 35. We read, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. You see, as the gospel message is preached, it is preached to everyone. And that means people from all over the world, people from different locations and nations, people that have different skin tones and are from different socioeconomic statuses and, and any other point of division that our society, the mankind, might try to, to use to label and, and divide us into different groups and categories. The gospel transcends all of that. The gospel transcends all of that because God is not partial. And that's what Peter has come to understand. He says that God shows no partiality, verse 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now go down to verses 42 and 43. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Well, we read back in Acts chapter 2 at verse 38 that we need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, which means, brethren, that the book of Acts, which means, friends, that the book of Acts shows us that to believe in Jesus for the remission of sins is to repent and be baptized. You cannot tell me that you believe in Jesus and refuse to repent and be immersed for the remission of your sins. You can't tell me you have been put into Christ if you refuse to be baptized because to believe in Christ unto the remission of sins in the book of Acts is to repent and be baptized. The two texts are parallel. You can't separate them. And so we're baptized in that one body. And when you look at a text like 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 3, Paul is charging the church at Corinth to take up a collection for the saints who are hurting down in Judea. The same thing plays out in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, where we see further instruction regarding that. And even we're told of the churches of Macedonia, the brethren in Macedonia who give abundantly to the help of the churches, the brethren down in Judea, around Jerusalem, that region, because they are under famine. They need help. Notice something there. Those congregations in, in Corinth, and in Macedonia, those congregations from whom Paul is going to be taking support to bring it back down to the churches in Judea and around Jerusalem, those congregations in Corinth, they're going to be primarily Gentile. And they're going to be sending their money down to brethren who are going to be most likely primarily Jewish by all accounts, especially when we look at a text like Acts chapter 15. 
seems to confirm that very well for us. Or even when we turn over the book of Galatians and see chapter two and see what happens with Peter and some of the Jews and the discussion around the Gentiles and all that that transpires there. So, so the point I want to make is that when we talk about the church being the body of Christ, we're members of one another. It doesn't matter where we're from, what we look like, what we've done, where it doesn't matter. None of that matters. When we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the living God, and respond in repentance and baptism for the remission of our sins, we now become part of that body. And we are all one body. It's only one. And so we have responsibility one to another in that body because the church is the body of Christ. But as we finish our thoughts on the universal church, we have to understand that the church is also one. So the saved are the church. The church is the body of Christ and the church is one. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. That's singular. When Paul talks about the church, he describes it as the body of Christ. In Ephesians 1 verses 22 through 23, Paul says that God is also highly exalted and is given a name above every name. And then in verse 22, he says he is the head, given to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. But then we read in Ephesians 4 that there is one body. The Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. And Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 tells us there's one body. But Paul also includes some other ones there. He says there's one spirit. There's one baptism. There is one hope. There is one Lord. There is one God and Father. There is one faith. Just as much as there is one Father and one Spirit and one Lord and one hope of heaven and one baptism and one faith, so there also is only one church. And that makes sense. If there's only one head, Christ, and one body, then there can only be one church. So across this world, since the gospel began to be preached, all who have responded to the gospel message of Christ, to the proclamation of Christ, to be baptized into Christ, have been added to the one body of Christ, the church of Christ. Romans 16, 16, where Paul says the churches of Christ salute you. That is the universal church. So here's the thing. You can't say that you want Christ, but not his church. Christ is the head. The church is the body. You're going to try to separate off the head and have it to yourself. You can't do that. That doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense at all. You see, if you're going to be saved, then God is going to add you to his church, to his body, and you're part of that. You can't have Christ without the church. But when you have Christ, you also have the church. And you have that bond to all the world over who too, like you, have responded to be immersed into Christ for the remission of their sins. That's the universal church, the world over. But let's let's shift gears now, shall we? Let's, let's talk about the local church. Because this is really where the rubber is going to meet the road for all of us. It's the local assembly of the Lord's body. I want you to turn back to Acts 2 again with me, if you will. And notice verses 42 through 47. Just, just want to read it. And then we're going to enter into this discussion about the local church and, 
and the epistles. But, but notice with me back at Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. We've already read how 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42 then, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. What I want you to notice is this is the first congregation. This is the first local church of the Lord's people. And we begin to see the model. Remember, the, the apostles, they have been selected by Jesus. They, they're the ones who received the spirit to be guided into all truth. And so what we see them leading this early church in, what we see them leading the first congregation, the first local church of God's people in, well, that, that's a pattern for us. It helps us to understand what the purpose of it is. Now, when you think about the local church, while it is universal in one sense, it's very much local in, in another sense. And this is demonstrating the epistles, and, and we see the beginning of it in Acts 2. But when you think about how Paul addresses these congregations, to the church at, of God at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1-2, the churches of Galatia, Galatians 1-2, he describes to the brethren Ephesus the church and it being the, the very demonstration of God's wisdom, Ephesians 3 at verse 21. The same thing with the brethren at Philippi in Philippians 4.15, or he talks about the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1 at verse 1. Because in each of these cities, you had the assembled ones who were the people of God. You had the called out ones who were the people of God who were gathering together to live out what we see here in Acts chapter 2. And so the epistles are instructions to local congregations. What that helps us to understand is that everywhere the gospel went, congregations were being established and those who were saved and added to the body while they were part of the universal church, they were also very much part of local congregations. And when you read these letters, listen, there's some problems. There's some difficulties. At times, there's some immaturity. At times, there's some false teaching. At times, there is outright sin and fighting within the body of Christ, on the, in the local congregations. That's not to be excused, but you notice it's to be addressed. And for you and me, what we have to understand is if these congregations in the first century weren't always perfect, brethren, our congregations aren't always going to get it right. But we can't give up on the local church because the local church, as we see in the epistles throughout the New Testament, that is part of God's plan for how the universal church is going to function on this side of eternity. You see, this is because the local church is where the work gets done. When we look at Acts 2 there, what do we see? We see them in worship, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. We see them in prayers. We see them in fellowship one with another. We see them caring for one another. They're selling their goods and dividing them among those who have need. We see the teaching. They're continuing the apostles' doctrine. We see all of this being portrayed here. The care for one another, the worship, the fellowship, the teaching. This happens in the local congregation. If you don't settle yourself into a local congregation, 
vocation to work and a fellowship and a worship and receive teaching, you, you're going to miss out on all of this. This is part of God's plan for the church. And so you might get upset with some brethren and say, well, there's hypocrites in that congregation. I promise you that you're going to find a hypocrite in every congregation. That's the reality. There's sometimes going to be people who are saying one thing and living another. You know what those people need? They don't need your disdain. They need your prayers and they need your admonitions and your exhortations. That's what they need. They need you to come alongside them and to help them see the way of God more perfectly as Aquil and Priscilla do with Apollos in the latter part of Acts chapter 18. And when we look at Acts 8 and verse 4, there's, there's something that, that I think we sometimes don't talk about. When we read this text, and this is a tremendous text we're talking about, the responsibility that, that each of us does have to teaching the word, because we read in the context of the persecution of the church. Therefore, those who are scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I've been teaching on the book of Colossians here at, at the congregation recently. And one thing that, that comes to be apparent from the book of Colossians is that this congregation was not planted by the Apostle Paul. He had heard of their faith, and he writes to them, knowing those who have come from that congregation, but he never was there. So, so how was that congregation planted? We see the same thing with the Roman church. When you read the book of Romans, and to the congregation that exists there in Rome, and it seems to be at least several of them, because you have reference to the church in the house of Aquila and Priscilla who have made their way to Rome, by the way, in Romans chapter 16. What do you see? Paul writes to me, says in those early verses, I want to come to you that I might impart to you some, some spiritual gift. It would seem that as far as the church at Rome is concerned, no apostle had ever even visited this congregation, but the gospel was there. How was it there? Acts 8 and verse 4. Where the brethren went, they preached. And when they preached, people obeyed. And when people obeyed, they started to meet together. And guess what? There was the local church. That's God's pattern. Wherever the gospel is preached, people are going to obey and they work together because they are together as the one body of Christ, but they are together locally. Look at Acts chapter 11 in Acts chapter 12 and 13. I want you to see something with Paul and, and his conversion here. Acts chapter 11 and read verses 25 and 26 with me. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus. Now Barnabas has come to Antioch, if you go back up a few verses, but he departs for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled. You notice that? For a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. For a whole year, Paul and Barnabas, they're gathering with the local church. And they're worshiping together. They're serving together. And here in this congregation where obviously we see Jew and Gentile in Antioch of Syria, here, the disciples are first called Christians. But I want you to skip down a little bit to the latter part of Acts 12 and in the beginning of chapter 13. In Acts 12, 25, we read, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church, it was at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, I want you to notice, when Barnabas and Saul are done with their work, where do they go? They go back to what we might call their home congregation. They go back to the local church in Antioch of Syria. And we see this with Paul. This seems to be his 
home congregation. It seems to be the base of, of his operations throughout the book of Acts. But I want you to know something about the phraseology that Luke uses in Acts 13 there at verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, that language, in the church that was at Antioch. And then he talks about Barnabas and Paul. Luke describes, it's by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke describes Paul and Barnabas as being part of that congregation there at Antioch. They're part of the local church. Think about that. Paul, an apostle of the Lord, is part of the local church. And when God calls them to the work, notice the brethren, having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away, verse 3. They sent them out to the work. When we come to the book of Galatians again, we see Peter, another one of the apostles, of course, identified there with the church at Jerusalem. That, that's the local congregation. Now, while Paul and Peter and the other apostles were out preaching and doing God's work, wherever they were, when they returned, they returned to that congregation. Aquila and Priscilla, they were at Ephesus doing the good work. They're with the church there at Ephesus. Then they moved to Rome. They're working with the brethren there. They're still at the church in Rome. Wherever the faithful saints go, including the apostles, they are identified with local congregations. Think about that. And when we look at a text like Titus 1 at verse 5, where Paul instructs this young preacher to, well, put into place the things that are lacking, including elders. Well, he tells them to do that in each of the congregations there in Crete. We look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We see instruction to the older man and the younger man and the older women and the younger women. Well, what's that telling us? It tells us that Paul expected within each of these congregations within Crete, he expected that there would be what we might call the work of discipleship. That is the ongoing teaching of the truths of God and the bringing up of faithfulness. The older men had their responsibilities and that the younger men did, the older women and the younger women. In fact, with the older women, they're told to instruct the younger women, aren't they? That happens in the local congregation. I don't expect an older sister in Hampton to try and seek out a younger sister she does not know, has no interaction with whatsoever before, out in San Francisco somewhere, and mentor her and, and direct her. Now, if they come to know each other and through a good work like polishing the pulpit or perhaps focal point or through one of the brotherhood lectureships or otherwise, if they come to know each other and build a relationship whereby that happens, that's tremendous. But that's typically not going to happen because there is the importance of local leaders and the local edification and teaching and training that happens in the local church. Why, as Paul went about visiting the churches that he had helped to plant in Acts 14 at verse 23, he appointed elders in each of those churches. There wasn't an eldership over all of these churches. Each congregation had its own. We're talking about more in just a moment. But I want you to think about another text. Turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians, chapter 6. So, when we talk about the local church, it's where the work is done. Galatians 6, we probably know well, but let's read it again just for the sake of making sure we have the word of God in front of us. Those who know me here at Peninsula know I always like to have the Bible in hand so, so we know we're in the word of God. Here we read, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in what? In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be 
tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Go down to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that he'll also reap. For he sows to the flesh, will the flesh reap corruption? But he sows to the spirit, will the spirit reap everlasting life? Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, now let me ask you a question here. In the context of our sowing and reaping in the kingdom, in the context of a, a brother who's overtaken in a trespass, in the context of a sister who has some burden that, that she needs help bearing, in the context of, of someone who is in need and we have the opportunity to do good to them, what is more likely? Is that going to happen from a distance or is that fundamentally and primarily going to happen locally? Now, because we're connected, and especially in the digital age, we're connected a little bit more. We, like Paul did with Corinth, we already referenced 1 Corinthians 16, we'll get letters here. We'll get calls or, or we know people in other congregations and, and there will be some need, there will be some situation that arises. And so we will get together and we will send aid to them. But most of that work happens where? In the local congregation. When a brother comes forward and says, I've been struggling with you fill in the blank and I need the prayers of the church. I don't get on the phone down to Memphis, Tennessee, reach out to my alma mater there at the Memphis School of Preaching and say, brethren, I've got a brother here who desperately needs help in overcoming this sin. Would you, would you mentor him and would you guide him and would you, would you be praying for him? And then I wash my hands of it and walk away. It's not what we do. It's a local congregation. We're the ones there equipped. We know that brother. We know the struggles. We have a relationship with him. And thus we're able to, with that relationship, to come alongside him. Sister has a burden she can't bear. Maybe she's been having some medical issues. And she has doctor's appointments that, that she can't get to. I don't call up a brother that I know in Richmond, an hour and a half away, and say to him, hey, listen, sister so-and-so down here in Hampton has a doctor's appointment up at Riverside Hospital tomorrow. It's about 15 minutes from her house. You've got that, right? You'll, you'll come down and take care of her, right? No, we're going to do that. The local church is going to do that. And when you read the fullness of what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, about the essence of the body and how each part of the body, each member of the body is essential. What we come to learn is that within the local church, there are different brethren with different talents and different abilities and different amounts of free time due to work schedules and otherwise. But we are all one church together. We're one family together. And when one of us is in need, there's going to be someone here who can meet that need or someone here who knows someone who can meet the need. The work is done on the local level. Yes, there are big works that the brotherhood gets into. There are works like this. The digital Bible study is a good work. There's gospel broadcast network. There are preaching schools and other things like that. There are mission works that we cooperatively support, and those are all good works. But the vast majority of the loving and the serving and the worship and the fellowship and the teaching isn't going to happen on a large level like that. It's going to happen in individual congregations. And if you cut yourself off from that, man, you're missing out. Man, are you missing out? The local church is where the work is done. The local church is where worship is done. We already saw that in Acts 2 at verse 42, so I don't want to magnify too much more. But think about 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 22. 
with regards to the Lord's Supper, Paul says, when you come together as church, so all the saints together to partake in the Lord's Supper, it's meant to be a gathering together and a together partaking of the Lord's Supper. See the same thing in worship more broadly in Acts 14, 22 through 40, and the instructions around the miraculous gifts that they had and how to use those in, in worship service. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when we talk about giving, well, that's in the context of laying by side and in store. That's the work of the congregation on the local level. But think about just a text like Ephesians 5, 19. I summarized the other so that I could get here. Ephesians 5 at verse 19. I want you to read this with me. And we, we know this text, but, but read it again and think about it in the context of the local church. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We, we of course, can, can bring the parallel passage in Colossians 3.16 alongside this and, and understand that the context of teaching, but notice speaking to one another. On Sunday morning when we're gathered to worship, I'm not hearing my brethren even around the corner in Newport News. I'm not hearing my brethren a little farther away in Richmond. I'm not hearing my brethren in Japan or in China or in India. I'm not hearing my brethren over in England or in Germany. I'm not hearing them. The ones that are singing and teaching me and building me up, they're the local church. And while we can go somewhere like, like polishing the pulpit and, and we can sit with 5,000 of the saints and sing praises to God and thank God for, for a good work like that, that that's, that's a week out of the year. The rest of my Sundays, the vast majority of them, and my Wednesdays and, and my singing nights and my times of fellowship at people's homes where we, we sing and we pray together, that's happening with the local church. That's where this is taking place more than anywhere else. And the local church is where accountability is found. We're told to submit to those who lead us. Think about Hebrews 13 and verse 7. But I want you to see what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5 about elders, about those who shepherd us. He says, the elders who are among you. Who's that language? Among you, I exhort, I whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will, will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Elders function in the local church. They're shepherding the local church. You see, the local church is where accountability is found. The local church is where accountability is found just as much as corporate worship is primarily done in the local church. So that is true of accountability. That's where our shepherds are. That's where those who watch after us and they're responsible for the flock over which God has made them overseers. Acts 20 verse 28. My shepherds here are not responsible for the whole brotherhood. They're responsible for the souls that meet and work and worship together and love and care for one another here in Hampton, Virginia, the Peninsula Church of Christ. And when I need to have some shepherding, they're the ones I go to. They know me and I know them. I'm part of the flock that's among them. And they're the shepherds who are among us. Think about the context of church discipline. First Corinthians 5, Paul instructs that when the church is together under the authority of Christ and by Paul's authority to put away the brother who had his father's wife. 
That happens in a local congregation. Even a text like Matthew 18, turn, turn back over to Matthew 18. And notice what we read there at Matthew 18 with relationship to discipline. And this is in the context of sin that exists between two brothers, brother and sister, two sisters, it's between brethren. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you gain your brother. Now, maybe I can do that apart from the local church. All right, I can go talk to another brother. We got an issue. We'll sort it out. Well, verse 16. If he'll not hear you, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Okay. I probably know a few other saints that I could get together and, and have them come to help me. But then notice the next verse. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the you read it, don't you? Tell it to the church. See, Jesus, even in instructing with regards to discipline, with regards to making correction, that was in the local context, ultimately. That's where it's going to find its fulfillment. So, so I ask you, are you part of the local congregation? Why does membership matter? Well, let, let me summarize it all as we, we come to the end here. And I appreciate your patience thus far. The universal church is what all who are baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins are added to. And you need to be part of that church. There's only one. So if you haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I hope you've been paying attention. That's how you demonstrate that you believe in Christ, and that is how you are saved, and the Lord adds you to his church. You can't have Christ without the church, because if you're going to have Christ and be saved in Christ, you're going to have his church. But having the church universal, being part of that, means that I'm also going to be bound to the local church as well. God expects and we see that when the saints are in an area together, they're going to gather together. They're going to worship together. They're going to study together. They're going to fellowship together. They're going to love one another together. Because that is where the work is done. That is where the worship is done. That is where the accountability is found. And if you're not part of your local congregation, if you are neglecting your local work, the local church, my friend, you are missing out. Yes, there's sometimes going to be problems, but I tell you what, I tell you what, when you learn to love and labor and worship and work and amongst the local church, what you find is all those things, all those problems we magnify and talk about oh they're, they're this that they're not that big because we're seeking the same lord we have the same hope believe it or not we can get past all those things because no matter who we are what we've done or where we're from or what we look like we share one thing we're all added to that one body through, through baptism into that one savior so we have Christ, and frankly, that's all we need. Thank you so much for giving your kind attention. I really do hope that you will give your labor and love and work to your local congregation. Membership really does matter. Brother Ben, um, that was well done, my brother. That was well done. Um, a lot of great comments in the feed. Uh, the approach was just, uh, that was just outstanding, man. I, 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 I don't know that I've quite heard something on the local church quite like that. Uh, that was just fantastic, man.
Thank you. That was well done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we, uh, we thank have you for the, the opportunity. We have the return of the word outstanding. So check that one off <laughs> if you're playing digital Bible study bingo and you had outstanding. You got that one on your on your card now. But uh, yeah, but Ben, that's that's like a month's worth of teaching in about forty five minutes there, sir. That was that was not just well done. That was timely done. I mean, that was just get to the point, make it clearly, and move on to that. That's tough to do, man. It's tough not to get sidetracked on, oh, I got this thought. Oh, I got that thought. That, that's a that's a professional job what just happened there. That, that's that's a man who's focused on his message, well-prepared, well-done, man. And the content, obviously, just as Eric said, just a great approach to the whole thing, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sir. Ben, he said everything but outstanding. It's, it's available. <laughs> I did. I did say about Sandy at least one night last week. I forget which night it was, man, but I, I had to break it out at least once. <laughs> no, Trish is exceptional, is what Trish preferred. <laughs> we can go with that too. Great job, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Well, we'll let you go tonight, Ben, but we'll have you back just as soon as we can work you back in schedule, brother. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks, brothers, and appreciate everybody who joined us tonight. Y'all be blessed. Yes, sir. All right, um, Eric. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You were still okay. That's good too. Yeah. Wow. That was outstanding. Go right ahead. You know you're on the wrong side. I don't know. I know. Good. I was trying not to. I was trying not oh. to let that bug me. But uh, yes, I noticed. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, you were doing yours. well. I'm sorry, I ruined it for you. That's all right. That's all right. I have my, I have my things. I appreciate you all recognizing right. that I would have an issue like that. So, but now, now Certainly. we're back to the way things are supposed to be. Uh, Scott, Scott asked how far Ben is out booked for gospel meetings. Uh, I don't know ben, <laughs> when are you available for gospel meetings? <laughs> Gotta bring, Ben's still here, so I can bring him back and ask him. <laughs> Just uh, tell him to reach out to me, and uh, you know I'm always willing if opportunity presents itself to, to go and speak elsewhere. It's it's a blessing to get to preach God's word, no matter where, but. Uh, I, I do refer to myself as a local preacher. I do. I do like being in the local congregation and working here. And maybe that's part of why the sermon was it was. <laughs> but um, no, sir, you reach out to me and we we're certainly be glad to glad to chat. If you don't know how to get a hold of me, just you can find me on Facebook or just go to the Peninsula Church of Christ website, uh, PeninsulaCofc.org in Hampton, Virginia. And uh, just send a message through there. And that comes to me because I'm the tech guy, too, around here. So I get all the email. <laughs> All you. That's great. Thank you for coming back and sharing that. Uh, thank yes, you. All right, Ben. There we go. Um, there you go, Scott. To the to the prayer request. Actually, the only one I saw just popped in right now. Uh, we had gone the whole night without one that I unless I missed something. There was a lot of hey, Ben's doing a great job stuff going then, so it's possible I missed it, but I don't think I did. So uh, the one that popped in was Sue. Uh, she's traveling again tomorrow. Um, for her treatments she goes to ctca i'm sure she's just told us what that is in the past i don't remember off the top of my head all right uh, but that's the only one i see somebody said yes good gospel media material true very true let's pray together then our loving father in heaven we are so grateful and thankful for all that you continually do for us, Father. We praise you and we adore you for who you are, your great, magnificent nature. 
your wonderfully perfect character, your faithfulness and your goodness toward us, your love, your mercy, your grace. Uh, Father, to you, we humbly bow and we offer our praise and adoration. We are so thankful for Jesus and we're so thankful for his great life and his sacrifice, ultimately the power of his resurrection. We're thankful for the gospel that's provided by it and for the sermon we heard tonight. We pray your blessings upon Ben and those laboring there in Peninsula. Uh, we're so grateful and thankful for the church and what she means to you and, and to us. Privileged to be members of it. Pray that we will uh, treat her with the high regard that you, uh, that the Christ has, has shown by purchasing her with his blood and uh, pray that we will uh, edify and build up, strengthen and help one another as we have need. Father, we pray for Sue as she travels and pray that uh, that traveling and those, uh, that appointment will go well and the treatments connected to it. Just pray that you'll bless her and be with her. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters around the world who are yet struggling uh, in various ways, some by not uh, being parts of the local congregation where they are anymore. We pray for them. We pray for their faith. We pray for their uh, whatever is, is lacking or whatever need that they have. We pray that those brothers and sisters can reach out to them and Pray that they will respond, come back, be a part of the local church and help her and edify and build up each other. Bless us, Father, as we strive to give you glory. Be with us, Father. Give us the courage and strength to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that, Eric. Um, let's see what we have here. Um, I did not see anything come in over YouTube um, this evening, so let me... Do the little refresh over here on Facebook to get the, uh, the list up to date. Um, leading us off, it might surprise you, but it's going to be Patsy with 50 stars. Wait for it. Uh-oh. Man, he's out of practice. He oh, is. man. I think so. Thanks. <laughs> Woo! Well, oh, man. Thank you, Patsy. There you go. We got pedal with 100 stars. Thank you, Patel. And then we have Claudette with 300 stars. Thank you, Claudette. There you go. There you go. Um, that's all that I have there. Um, a question from Scott. Um, and will there be a lesson next Monday on Memorial Day? I actually did not talk to Eric about this and just made an executive decision because we weren't together. And no, there will not. We're taking the day off. Um, there you go. I figured he would not be too terribly upset with me, but by taking the day off. Um, uh, have not yet decided, Scott, whether or not I will be doing uh, from the deep end on that day. Let me find out what my family's doing. If I'm just sitting around the house, I'll probably turn the camera on and go because it, it's pretty simple for me to do it. But um, um, if not, I don't know. We'll see. There, there may or may not be a from the deep end on Monday morning. We'll see. Um, that help you at all? That Was that helpful? <laughs> Yeah, dude. You know, I can't. I can't speak too too definitively because I haven't heard from the family about. Uh, it it comes, down, comes down to whether or not Aunt Manny and Andrew want to run the route on Monday. Because it doesn't matter. It's one thing about running a pool company like we like that is, if you skip Monday, all that means is now you have to do Monday and Tuesday on Tuesday. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it doesn't really gain you anything other than trouble for the re rest of the week. So. 
sometimes on these Monday holidays, we just work right through them. And if they're working, then the family probably won't be doing anything. So anyway, um, let's see what we got. Uh, anything else? Um, I think that's, I think that's it that I have. You have anything? Uh, no, I would just, uh, again, you know, uh, brothers and sisters, you might have some members where you are that you might encourage them to listen or, uh, find a way to hear this sermon that we heard tonight. That might be a, a good encouragement, not trying to beat anybody up, of course, but uh, sometimes people act out of ignorance, not out of malice. And so it could be the case that they just don't know how important truly, truly the local church is. And this might help. Them. So maybe there's somebody you can share that, that good message with. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Um, and this is a, um, a good one to share. That was really an outstanding job. Second time I've said outstanding. Now you're 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 infecting my brain, Eric. I don't know what I'm supposed to, supposed to do. It's supposed to work the other direction around. I'm supposed to be in your head, not. Well, it has. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm just getting soft as I get older again. Uh, tomorrow night we have uh, well tomorrow from the deep end eight o'clock um, Truth Tuesday. Uh, they I, they've already got their stuff scheduled, so I know that they're on. Daryl must be doing all right. So from eight to ten from from deep end. 10 to 11, uh, Truth Tuesday. Uh, and then tomorrow evening, we have Mornay Stephanus with us. And looking forward to having him back. Um, he's always does a great job with us. And he's just a very, very talented um, and wonderful man. And we're looking forward to having him on Connect tomorrow evening. So that's the schedule for tomorrow. Hope you'll be able to tune in and be a part of all of that with us. And we look forward to being back with you throughout the day tomorrow. And as always, it is our prayer. You will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.